Hello. Hi, John. Merlin, man. John Roderick, we stand on guard for thee. Yeah, that's interesting. Why, when you say my name uh, in song form, it always sounds like a hymn, like a Methodist hymn. Hmm, say it soft. It's almost like praying. John Roderick. John Roderick. I just met a man named John Roderick. Oh, now it sounds like a musical. I'm doing Maria. Uh Uh-huh. What's your stance? What's your stance on musicals? Oh, they always make me uncomfortable. You know, there's so much of culture, and I'm not even going to say popular culture, Mm -mm. just culture. Yep. That makes me wince. I walk into it wincing. Hmm. Stand-up comedy shows. Improv. Bands I don't know. Uh, people's first novel, uh, YouTube videos. I just go into it, uh, just waiting to get like, it's like I'm waiting to get whacked in the face with a cricket bat because the, I'm just like, Oh, don't, Oh, most stuff is so awful. Please, uh, don't be awful. And then it is. Is it, it's the breaking into song. I'm guessing. Well, I mean, some of those great musicals where there's a lot of dancing and stuff. He's going to tell. He's going to tell. He's going it's great, to but tell. I think it's the songs. I think a lot of the songs I just don't think are good songs. Oh, man. That's funny. It's the songs that I like. Yeah, I know. That's the, it's the songs that a lot of people like. I mean, there's a lot of musicals that, I mean, I, I just want to clarify, I, I don't consider myself to be like a Broadway musical person. I mean, I don't, I don't know I'm chapter and verse, but there are... A dozen uh, musicals where I would I some of my favorite songs in the world come from those. I mean, you look at all the, uh, the all the Fred Astaire songs, well, like where he introduced those uh, Cole Porter songs that we now consider standards. Mm. The movies are a little bit of a slog. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ Superstar. I'm good to watch that. Watch that every four <laughs> to seven years. The songs in that are bum, great. Bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. My mind is clearer now. <laughs> Do you think you're who they say you are? At uh, last, I, all too well. Let's think, let's make this the musical episode. We'll just sing songs. Uh, they, Jesus! We, <laughs> we watched Jesus Christ Superstar in my ninth grade social studies class. Ugh. Because it was in, uh, so in ninth grade, my East High School in Anchorage had a school within a school. It was called School Within a School, or... That's a terrible S- name. SWS. That would look terrible on a jersey. SWS. And SWS had its own building, which was connected <laughs> to East High School by way of a two-story corridor, like, a, like an ex- external corridor. You sure it just wasn't in school, uh, in school suspension or something? No, it was SWS, and it had its own principal and its uh, own faculty. And it was a program that you had to, I guess, apply for and get into uh, within East High. And I think the general population of East High School considered SWS to be the freaks and the geeks. Uh, And it was that. Uh, The principal at the time was named Dr. Richard Krieger. And he wore a lot of turtlenecks and had um, an afro. Oh, did he have rap sessions? Did he turn the chair around? He did, absolutely. Uh, later on, my good friend Don Shackelford became the principal of SWS, and he was a pal. And uh, even though he, even though Don Shackelford was the one that reported me for having pipe bombs in my locker, right? For which I was given an emergency suspension. Dan and and Don ratted me out 
This was when he was still an English teacher. But he was disappointed. He was very disappointed in me. And then he became a, a very good friend and a mentor. But so SWS, uh, I went into that school freshman year because I felt like that's where I belong, right? With the freaks and geeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would take normal, you would take some normal classes in, in uh, East High. But most of your classes were in SWS, and all of the teachers were hippies. There was Doug Blankensop, who uh, had a had a red beard and was a little bit of an elfin uh, character. My biology teacher was he looked like Steve Jobs. Uh, tucked his you know tucked his turtlenecks into his jeans. This sounds very experimental. It was very experimental. And my social studies teacher was a wonderful woman, and her idea of like. Social studies was like, let's watch Jesus Christ Superstar. Let's talk about she, you know, they would show Monty Python episodes. I mean, real freak freaks and geeks. And then at the end of my freshman year, it was determined that I did not have the discipline to be in such a rigorous program that required self uh, determination. That was determined by by the hippie teachers. Yeah, because there were couches in SWS. You could go, you could go down to the. I mean, the, it was the school was carpeted. So it wasn't like a school. It was like a big hippie tower. <laughs> and, uh, and so after, after my freshman year, it was like clear to everybody that I was taking advantage of, of the laxity yeah, and spending a lot of time sitting on the couches. And so I was booted back into the regular school. But SWS was connected to the regular school by these corridors. So I would just go, I would skip class and go to SWS and sit on the couches. But I wasn't in SWS, so they could, it's not like they could kick me out. They already kicked you out. They already kicked me out. I forged a hall pass at one point. Mm. And I, you know, I remained in newspaper, and the newspaper was in SWS. So I was there all the time. I would go sit in Don Shackelford's office. Did you, feel, did you feel left out? Did you feel rejected? No, it turned out that, I, that it was true. I didn't belong in SWS. What I, be, what I belonged in was this sort of special class, the adjunct class. You know I like to be in a special class. Mm-hmm. And the special class was in the regular population of East High School, but welcome in SWS. And, you know, I could, I could be in both worlds, and that's what oh, I So prefer. you sleep in Gen Pop. But uh, but you're also you're a uh, what do they call that in the prison? You're a uh, like a, a trustee. A trustee. That's right. So, uh, for instance, all the real honors classes, all the kids that were going to Ivy League schools, they didn't they never crossed the threshold into SWS. They didn't want anything to do with it because it had that it had the taint, it had the it had the stench of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I know so, that stench. Yeah. So stay away from there, said the kids that were going places. If you wanted to get into Dartmouth, you didn't want anything to do with a special program. You wanted to excel in the normal program. Oh, John, I hate to do this to you in front of all these people, but uh, you know a great way to communicate what you just described? Mm-hmm. Over here, all you hear, you got, you got all the socias mm-hmm. that are on, on the track to go to the schools. You, you cross over a literal corridor to get to the big hippie tower full of the weirdos. Yeah. There was one weirdo that couldn't fit in. This sounds like a musical. Yeah, it does. This would be a really good musical. Uh-huh. Too weird for SWS. Yeah, I mean, I'm just it's just blue sky solutioneering. But yeah. I mean, I'm just saying that would be a, a musical. First of all, so many of your relationships sound a lot like a romantic comedy, where it's it starts mm-hmm. out with some opposition and then a, a kind of grudging respect. It becomes a buddy mm-hmm. movie for a while, mm-hmm. and then eventually you fall in love. I like to think of them as romantic dramedies. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm. Uh, because the drama kind of starts to starts to get in there. It's like, is this funny? I'm not sure this is funny. Comedy is all about editing. It's all about knowing where to cut it off. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it's funny, but it's sort of like uncomfortable funny. Yeah, right. So romantic dramedy, I feel, is is appropriate. A rom drom. A rom drom. <laughs> That's precisely it. A rom drom. <laughs> um, the problem with the rom drom is when you spell it, it looks like rom dram. Yeah, people think you got a fancy word for taking a drink. Yeah, but it's not. It's rom drom. And that, I bet, I bet yeah. the geeks would know that. Uh, oh, the geeks for sure know it. Hmm. I, so. Yeah, so, I mean, there it was, right? Yeah. There we were. It was the 80s. We were uh, in a special program. I Maybe I'm, this is a projection, but I, I think this is mostly true for most people, is that for most of your youth, uh, you're very careful about picking the things where you stick out, mm-hmm. especially if you're a college track type normal kid, is that you, know, you, you want to be recognized as getting the best grade on this uh, physical science class uh, test. Right. But you don't want people to notice that you've got like the cheap version of the IZOD or whatever. Right. And I think most of us, and I, I, I see this in my kid's school, I see it everywhere. People don't want, people don't want to be noticed as, as sticking out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it sounds like a really obvious point, but I think it, when you say something like, well, we're going to have this program to help these kids or these kids or these kids or these kids, anytime you're being taken out of class, it feels a little exceptional. Yep, and you don't really want that. You want to be in the normal class. Yeah, either way, you don't want to be. You don't want to be in the remedial class. You don't want to really be in the exceptional class, unless right. unless there are some true privileges attended to it. And in my case, the biggest privilege was to be able to roam. This is what I, all I wanted in high school: to be able to roam the halls freely while everyone else was in class. Oh, that's the dream, isn't it? And to pop into classes where the teacher welcomed me as a friend. And so, you know, you, you eat lunch in the band room. That's got a lot wrapped up in it. You got the specialness of being able to move freely, like you got diplomatic papers. Right. But then you also have the implicit buddiness and peer relationship. I'm just going to go pop in and see how Mr. Plumley's doing today. Exactly. Precise, precisely. Well, I don't know why I keep saying precise small. What is, where, where does that come from? Because you're, because, because, because France. I have France. I'm a little bit fancy and I love France. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you pop in. You used to be in the debate class. But then you got kicked out of debate class because you didn't ever take it seriously and you just got up and improvise, you extemporized debating, which isn't what they're looking for. So you get kicked out of debate club, but everybody in there knows you and likes you and the teacher likes you. So you pop into debate club. Yep. Sit around, kick your feet up. See, now today I know you like, uh, you said you like to argue uh, with text. Yeah. So like today they should have a forensics club for people who like to type. Yeah. Be a whole different, a whole different line of reasoning. You know, things would move move a lot faster. Mm-hmm. You move it along. I mean, I could I could ace any high school class by texting. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, I bet a lot of kids would love that. If they just texted me the questions, I would text them the answers. <sighs> Problem solved. Would you send a shoulder shrug made out of little mm-hmm. characters? I don't really do a lot of e- e- uh, emoticoning. Meh. Uh, particularly not those emoticons where you have to copy it off of somebody else's feed because you don't know how to make them yourself. Yeah, I know. I don't want to do that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, I, and ultimately that extends to colleges like certainly Evergreen, but also Reed College and Colorado College. These colleges that are like, they're good colleges. People try to get in them. I wanted to go to them. But there's also a, tin, a tint to them like, a, well, it's that smell. 
Like Reed College is a good college, but you know that they're making their own acid there in their dorm rooms. Yeah. And so it's like not – it just, just doesn't quite have the – it's just not a normal college. You would see that constantly at New College because it's – you know it, as I think I've described, New College combines a lot of the fruity stuff from all the different schools but all in one place. So there's no mm-hmm. grades. You get written evaluations. You do your own class. You know, can make up your own classes, make up your own major. You do independent study in January. Every you know, three you have to do three independent study projects while you're there, and you can just see how different people would handle that in different ways. You could get like baking bread could be your independent study project as long as somebody was willing, willing to sponsor it. Whereas other people were like, you know, writing a novel in a month, like when they're you know. 19 years old or they were doing some kind of like research like internship where they're actually going and like working who the hell are these kids that can actually shoulder the responsibility of independent study how could who has that kind of self-awareness at that age it's staggering and and yeah, there there are enough of them that whole programs are devoted to them like oh i'm gonna independent study something it's like independent study was absolutely code for me that you can wander the halls and nobody will yell at you well that's I mean, that, I'm very much the same feeling you can go. You have lunch in the band room. You go pop by SWS, sit in Shackelford's office for a while. Shack says, "Shouldn't you be in class?" And you go, "Ha ha ha!" And he says, "Ha ha ha!" And you think this is paradise. Yeah. I look at my last year of high school and the stuff that you could do, and it really does seem like another world. The most obvious one, maybe smoking area. If you were sixteen years old. If you were 16, because that was the age to buy cigarettes in Florida, if you were 16, you could smoke cigarettes at school. Like there was a, it was called the smoking area. Yeah. This seems, yeah. this seems utterly amazing to me right now that you could go and as a 16 year old go and smoke cigarettes. The one, there's, there was a lot of things like this. Uh, but the one that really got me, and I have to say, because I had a lot of the same tendencies as you, the one that was my undoing was that if you were, I can't believe more people didn't do this because they're smarter than me. If you were 18 years of age and you're a senior, you could sign yourself out of school at any point. As long as you'd been there, I think, for two periods, three periods. But definitely around lunchtime, like fourth period, you just go to the office and they hand you a little uh, little piece of paper, you sign yourself out. And I would do that. I did that, especially the last semester. I never skipped school. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't skip. I didn't play hooky. I didn't like skip classes. But I would literally sign myself out of school before I'd gone to science class. Just just what you're saying right now, sign yourself out of school, it still gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's like Nietzsche said, right? It's always there. Just a comfort to know you're never more than like, you know, a few dozen steps from being done with school for today. And for me, it came in the form of, I've told you, I've told you before um, about my experience of being editor of the East High School newspaper, The Zephyr, where I believed that I was the editor and the new newspaper. So Bl- Doug Blankensop was the was the newspaper teacher, mm-hmm. and I was groomed to be the editor throughout my entire high school career. And then my senior year, I walked into class two weeks before school started. I was already at the school introducing myself around to the new teachers in the summer. You're Max I, Fisher. I fucking was. I went to introduce myself to the teachers like, Hey, you're new at East High. I just thought you should know who the seniors are and who in particular is running the senior class. And Absolutely. it's going to be me. And hello. Nice to meet you. It's going to be better you. for everybody if you know who to pay attention to. That's right. Let's develop a relationship right now. And I went to the newspaper teacher and I said, hi, I'm John. I'll be a senior this year and I'm the editor of the paper and we should get to know each other. And she was like, um, 
I'm the teacher and I thought I would be the editor of the paper because I'm, you know, because, and I was like, what? No, no, no. The teacher isn't the editor of the paper. Here's how we do it at East High. There's a student editor, which that's is That's how, like the coach being the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? You're going to be the editor. And she was a young teacher. It was brand new. Mm, lots, of, just, lots of learn. Oh, we went to war and she decided that the fact that I thought that I was the editor, the entitlement that I showed, hmm. she was going to teach me a lesson by not letting me be the editor. But I walked that school like I was the editor and I ran that paper. I ran that paper from a non-editor position and fucking was the editor of that paper. You're the Pope at Avignon. Thank you. That's exactly right. I'm the, I'm the, I'm, I'm the other Pope. Mm-hmm. Again, France. Sur la pont d'Avignon, on est danse. Dans, right? dans, dans le ouf, sans le ouf, sur la mer. Précisement. And so I ran that paper, but the first thing I did was I made a press pass. <laughs> press pass. You're, you're just one giant fucking Wes Anders. Was it laminated? It And laminated. <laughs> I took the press pass down to the office, down to the uh, office in the, in the real school, too, not in SWS. Took it down to the real office where they had... Like a whole bunch of secretaries and stuff. Like SWS just had a receptionist who sat out in front of Don Shackelford's office, uh, formerly Richard Krieger. Mm-hmm. But the, the the real school had ten secretaries, and I went down there and I was like, "Hi, I need to get this laminated," mm-hmm. and they laminated it without asking because I was John Roderick, editor of the newspaper, and I had a press pass. And then I would sh- I would flash that press pass to the security guards who roamed the halls to make sure that nobody was truant. You and, not only forged your own credentials, yeah. you actually, from whole cloth, you made up the whole idea that there could be credentials. Yeah, there was no press pass. That was not a thing. No one had ever had one, but I made one. And I and because the security guards at that school knew me very well, the first time I showed, you know, that first week of school, I was like, press pass. And they were like, okay. And the entire rest of the year, I could roam the halls with my press pass. Doing doing, that, uh, doing coverage. Doing stuff. I was going down to talk to a teacher about a story I was working on. Absolutely. I had, to, I had to be here right now. I'm working on a story. And I actually showed that thing to teachers, too. And they would be like, oh, okay. It was, it was, it was absolutely – it was really I peaked right that, at that moment. The moment that I had that press pass laminated, I, that was as good as I was ever going to be. Mm. And, I, oh, it was great. I would just – I would flaunt it. I would just – I'd walk down the halls – just strolling, eating a Hershey bar with almonds. Mm. Press pass. Top in of hands. the world, Ma. They never checked it. After a while, they didn't check it. You just got to sell it that first time. You sell it, and it's like, yeah. And the thing was, I, I did edit the paper. I wrote four articles every issue. and I mean, it was, I was working. That was, that was something I actually worked hard at. I wish I had a press pass now. You can make one. We're going we're gonna to buy some lamination stuff. Everything seems more real when it's laminated. Um, my daughter has a, a, a biweekly uh, spelling assignment where she's got her, her 10 spelling words, her five sight words, and then you have to do projects. You pick the projects mm-hmm. where you can like, you could like draw it in shaving cream. You could make it in chocolate pudding. Uh, you could make it fancy on the computer, uh, however you, however you want to do it. <clears throat> and uh, we like to make flashcards. So uh, today my, my wife is getting some lamination uh, materials. So mm-hmm. if you want anything laminated, you know, just send it to me, and uh, I, I can make that for you. Thank you. I you mean, know, part I, of, I, having I a lamination th- facility in your house is not a terrible idea. It's a wonderful idea, and the, the you know the it has to be the right kind of lamination. You don't want bubbles in it. 
People people see a bubble in your laminated press pass and they're like, ah, this is a forgery. There's ten secretaries. They know what they're doing. But yeah, if it's laminated properly, it's not a forgery. It looks, I think it helps if it's thick and has really nice, satisfying curved edges. It shouldn't edges. be. It shouldn't be sharp. It's got to have curved edges. And frankly, I I I had a pair of shears and I worked on the curve of the edges of my press pass over the course of senior year. I was always improving it and just making it seem more and more official. This is a big problem with the schools, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. It's a problem with parenting, is you don't realize that what kids do in order to be dishonest and lazy is some of the most interesting, frank, and uh, and useful work that they will do. Figuring out how to game shit is one of the great skills of a young person. I'm trying to teach my daughter this. I'm very mm-hmm. proud of her when she figures out how to trick me. Because I'm not not super bright, but you know, but don't whisper, smart enough. But don't whisper loud about what your plan is. I th- I think I mentioned this to you. I mean, I was explaining to my daughter that one of the ways we uh, we like surprise my wife and tickle her, and uh, and I, I was telling my daughter you can't whisper really loud to me. Let's tickle mom. And so I introduced to her the idea that one of the pro- programs we're working on is, is called a f- planning a false flag. Uh, and she literally she turned to my daughter, she turned to my wife on the couch and said, "It's called a false flag." Oh. Can you believe that? Give so that a, that's an area of improvement. I'm going to yeah. get the kid a laminator. Yep. You know, maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I just feel like a kid learning to be tricky is not necessarily a terrible thing. It's not a criminal thing. Tickle your ass with a feather? Mhm. What me? did you say? Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um yeah, you got to I mean, I realized this with my kid. Uh, not very long ago, I realized that she was a dominant child and was going to be in everybody's face all the time and that what she needed to do was learn a little subterfuge. Yeah. You know, just like, hey, lady, it's okay to get to try and get people to do what you want, but like you got to you got to put a little spin on the ball. You know, don't just go don't just stand there just with the with palming the basketball, just putting it in their face, like taunting them with your power. You got to do a little Harlem Globetrotter stuff. You got to have a mm-hmm. you got to have a ladder. Get a ladder. <laughs> oh, he's using a ladder. <laughs> got to have a bucket of confetti. Yep. There's a lot of there's Rip, a lot Rip, of Rip Taylor and the Harlem Globetrotters can teach <laughs> us a lot, a lot about life. Fucking yeah, and also remember, god damn it. Remember it's a hustle. It's a hustle. It's you go and watch you go and watch that uh, pool hustling movie with the guy from the spaghetti sauce. The hus- the point of the hustle is you have to make them think that they can win. That's that's the con and con. It's confidence. Mm-hmm. You, well, there's the there's the there's the guy with the there's the there's the spaghetti sauce guy when he's the hustler, right? And then the guy and from the honeymooners. Well, and then that's right with the honeymooner. And then there's the hustle movie where it's the guy from Bartender, the movie. Oh, uh, right, spinning yeah. his bottles and stuff. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> what the guy from FX? Like, well, yeah, the guy the from the um, yeah. You don't like me to mention Scientology on the program, oh, but he's man. he's famous for that. He's an and OT he, man. Have some respect. You know the hustle. Talk about the hustle. Woo! Oh, man, they know the hustle. Hold these cans. So, so, so what I'm saying. <laughs> They're literally cans. Yeah, it's, we got to teach them. <laughs> I, saw all, an, I saw an e-meter. I've watched a lot of Scientology. You've seen an, a real well, e-meter? Well, I have, let me just say that like, between professional wrestling and Scientology, I, I, I've seen a lot of documentaries. And it's still amazing to me in Scientology. I mean, it really, they really have not tried to make the e-meter look. <laughs> look like any more than a Fisher-Price toy. When we talk about Scientology, I really get the feeling that our German fans sit up in their chairs. They, sit, they move, move to the edge of the chairs. They really are. They put their hands on their headphones like, tell, tell us more. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but they're, I, 
I do feel ich like mich, ich mich the Scientology talk. I feel like the the our actor friends get mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable. Well, you know, it's a, it's a lot about who you know. Mm. You know, I'll, I, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now there are some things that I believe. This I believe. I, I, I believe. I believe in. I believe. <laughs> Go ahead. I believe in kindness. I'm trying to teach. There's a. Uh, uh, I've told you some friends of mine. They have the rules of the house written by their front door. You can stop now. <laughs> the rules of the house, like on a chalkboard or like in a painting. Uh, uh, they've written it in perma chalk. And uh, and one of the rules of the house that I think about all the time because I really like it a lot. It says you don't have to be nice, but you have to be kind. And I think that's a really, really good distinction. Like being nice, that's something you tell girls when you're asking them to smile. Mm-hmm. But, but kindness to me is a good thing. And I think you can still be kind and trick people. It's a big part of tricking people is being kind. A big part of being kind is tricking people. Well, yeah, it works both ways. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, are, there are a lot of people. So this is the thing. There are lies of omission and there are lies, lies of delight. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there, you are doing people a favor sometimes. But it's also a way to trick her into learning that, uh, you know, kindness, kindness is a good thing in general. Like being kind, being polite. And I think all these words mean different things. Being, yeah. being polite is a fantastic thing. Like yeah. saying please and thank you. Wow. You have no idea how much shit in life you are going to get away with by saying please and thank you. But also being polite, this is the thing. Don't pick your nose. Mm-mm. I mean, if you're going to pick your nose. Not, not where I can see it. Listen, there's, there's, I mean, there are a lot of reasons to pick your nose. And one of them is just that it's fucking pleasurable. It's just like touching your clitoris, except yes. it's in your nose. Mm-hmm. It's, a lot, you it's all like a, a jigsaw puzzle. You don't do that in a restaurant. No. And that's Cl- the cl- clitoris part. Either one. Yeah. Don't pick your nose. Don't pick your clitoris in a restaurant. But. This, this is all going to work great in the musical. <laughs> the thing is that. That's right. Don't pick your nose. There's a handful of things that you never knew. There's a couple <laughs> things you should never do. Don't pick your nose or your clitoris. Even if your name is Doris, no matter how good that meal is, keep your finger out of your crotch. Oh. I love this musical. Everything's free in America. Jesus Christ in America. Jesus. <laughs> Oh, Rita Moreno, where are you now? Oh my God! We need we this. That's what we need right now in this culture. We need Rita Moreno, and we need uh, we need Rip Torn. <laughs> Rip, no. Rip, Rip Taylor. No, we need Rip Torn. Rip Torn was fantastic. I loved him on that comedy uh, Gary Shandling show. He was fantastic. Yeah, you know, um, Rita Moreno was the first person I knew of uh, as an egot. She's the, like the original egot, isn't she's she? The fucking top egot. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. There's this. There's this. I don't, you ever seen West Side Story or heard it? Come on. Okay. Yeah, because there's a thing in there. And like, I still, if I hear this, especially there's a YouTube video you can watch this, the one called Quintet, which is like every, when everything is coming together. And like, we're going to tonight, tonight, tonight. And it does all the songs come together and all the gangs are walking together. And Rita Marina's putting on her stockings and it's totally awesome. And it's like, this is like a supercut? No, no, it's about two thirds oh, of the scene. way in, and it's right before the action really like fucking goes yeah, down. The gangs are getting ready. The Jets are going to have their way tonight. And mm-hmm. then eh, Puerto Ricans fight us. I never heard it. But anyway. Yeah, it's all the, it's all the songs, and it keeps popping around. You're yeah, popping yeah, yeah. around. You're going over to what's his name? Yeah, and then you, you, got, uh, you got Natalie Wood. Ugh, that's powerful. Come I, on, I, nobody I, does that anymore. I don't always want to sit down and have three hours of that. But, you know. I'll, I'll bust out a little bit of uh, story with the fringe on top. You know, well, you know what it is. It's basically it's basically the uh, go into the mattresses scene from Godfather. Oh, so much so. It's a montage, but it's yeah. it's happening right now. It's a montage. It's happening, and the songs are linking up. The songs are like, pow, in key with each other. Yeah. 
I, I went to, uh, I was forced now. Forced. You can talk about so, Hamilton. Everybody's talking oh, about Hamilton. No, 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 no. I'm not going to, I was not forced to, to, uh, to consume Hamilton. I feel like I should consume Hamilton. It's kind of a meme right now. This is worse than that. I was forced to consume the w- movie. Worse than Hamilton? <laughs> well, worse than being forced to consume Hamilton. Yes. Is being forced to consume uh, this movie uh, with uh, Robert De Niro and the girl who oh, no. is a manic the, pixie dream girl. The intern. The intern. Oh, dear. I was, I was forced to consume this movie. I, I, I happen to really like her. I have dreams about her. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there's no way I would see that movie. She is, uh, you know, she's very, uh, she's very exciting, particularly in this role as a CEO who every, uh, the script keeps saying, the script keeps putting in people's mouths in this movie, like, oh, she's really tough to work with. She's a real ball breaker. She's a tough CEO lady. But the character actually as written and played, uh, she breaks into tears all the time. She's flighty and can't decide. She's a manic pixie dream girl. Uh, who is apparently the CEO of this company, but, but all the script indicators are like, oh, she's a real powerhouse. And it's, the incongruity is, is jarring. And so the twist is that the titular uh, Robert De Niro is the intern. Robert De Niro is the intern. He's an old man. He wears a suit every day. He's, he comes from the old school. I bet, I bet at first they don't get along very well. Uh, they don't get along at all. That's right. She doesn't. She you know. She doesn't need this kind of uh, adult supervision. And he is just very patient. He's absolutely a, like a dharma. Uh, have I talked to you about Buddhism? <laughs> he's um, he's a he's a he's a shawarma. You know what I mean? He's a, he's, he's a shawarma. That, that's he's a form a, of, of Buddhist uh, shaman. That's right. He's a Buddhist shawarma, and he just sits there uh, on his toadstool. So just he's waiting. very he's very wise. He's wise and he's waiting and he does menial tasks without complaining, which is what wise old men do mm-hmm. in order to eventually earn the trust of everyone in the and you know young guys look up to him and they want to they want to wear their tie the same way that he does it's et cetera et cetera you can write the script yourself um, but someone has to <laughs> a little bit of the Robert de Niro in this movie problem is it's like it's like when Fonz was in night shift oh uh, yeah playing against type. Right, so the yeah. so the first movie that Fon- Fonz, Fonz was good does, though he was good in that movie he was but it's the first movie he does after Happy Days he's playing low status yeah and he's playing low status he's like a he's like a wiener and you're like no 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 not the Fonz yeah I mean anybody but the Fonz and then you realize oh he's he's great but you, but the rest of his life you know Henry Winkler can't I mean he every other role he did were roles that Alan Alda rejected for being too wimpy. <laughs> Because he's like, I don't want to be the Fonz anymore. He's had a great, like, third career, though. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's wonderful. Henry Winkler is wonderful. But Robert De Niro, he's like, he's like limping around in this movie. And you're thinking, I think he's taking an extended, like, victory lap at this point. I, I don't know. What, does he need the money? Well, you know, actors work. You know, they like, right. you know, working, working is good. It keeps you young. It keeps you relevant. But, but you know, like, you still still kind of hope, like, man, do you have one more in you? Do you have one more that's just going to blow us out of the water? This is Vito Corleone. He went back. He went back to to the olive oil guy and stabbed him in the chest, and then like threw his fucking glove at him or whatever that whatever. He stabs him and then he throws like a, I don't know what he throws. Brings his so, wife a pear. Kapow! Mm-hmm. And uh, and now he's like limping through this uh, movie where he's like playing an uh, intern. I just can't. I can't. Goodfellas. Swear. Goodfellas is twenty five years ago now. It wasn't. Goodfellas was about events that were ten years prior to the mm, 20 
Oh, I the mean, Lufthansa, the Lufthansa heist, I think, was in the late it was 70s. 78. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then the movie came out in 91. I mean, 90, it's like, 91, yeah. It's like, it's like 12 years, and now it's 25 years from the movie. Ugh. Oh, come on. But like, what, you know, name an awesome Robert De Niro movie post-1991. You got, you got Analyze This? Mm-mm. Analyze Me? Nope. Uh, get Analyzed? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Uh, final analysis? <laughs> nope. I don't accept them. Drink talk? Don't accept it. <laughs> final answer? Um, what the, uh, what do else? A little, do a little, <laughs> little typing right here. <laughs> he, did, uh, uh, he did a... I saw a movie where he where his family was under attack by some terrorists that was like an attempt to get him back into... And it was the absolutely the worst. Cape Fear? No, I mean, but that... Cape okay, Fear. Cape Fear. Cape Fear. What year is that? It's early. It's uh, it's it's back in the it's back in the good days. It's yeah. even when Nick Nolte was good, right, right. And you got uh, 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 what's your head? The uh, Scientologist is in that. Uh, Patricia Arquette. Other no, 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 Julie Lewis. Juliet. Juliet Lewis. Juliet Lewis. Juliet. She's Lewis. she's a Scientologist. Which one was in Desperately Seeking Susan? Uh, that's uh, you that's got, a Rosanna Arquette. Oh, all I want to do is see in the morning, Rosanna, Rosanna. Mm-hmm, Rosanna Arquette. Now that's, mm. I, I, I think I always get Juliette Lewis and Rosanna Arquette mixed up because... Um, this is another one of those rat, rat's nest of actors problems. It's like me, you know, with Wilfred Brimley. Like I always think every Wilfred, Wilfred Brimley is all those same guys. I think he's Brian Dennehy. I think he's Dolph Sweet. I think they're all the same guy. I can't tell no, them apart. No, no, no. What are you talking about? Wilfred Brimley is Wilfred Brimley. You know, he was, he was in The Thing. He was in the thing. Remember he the was thing? also in Cocoon. I mean, famously, he was like fifty years old. He's basically the same age that you and I are, except he was in Cocoon playing like a. 90. Oh, oh! By the way, uh, uh, follow up uh, in a recent uh, podcast, meaning the one we recorded two hours ago. I uh, we talked about uh, I talked about Archie Bunker on All in the Family. Uh, you know how old he was in the first season of All in the Family? <laughs> oh, how old? Yeah, Forty-seven. Oh my god! <laughs> the same age as me. Yep, Archie Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker started out younger than me. And you knew where you were Miles were girls and men were men. So we could use a man like Herbert Hoover Don't tell me you don't like musicals. Listen to you go. (laughs) Didn't he know welfare state? Chicks and ducks and geese better scurry. Um, Yeah, yeah. Dirty Grandpa. He's in a movie called Dirty Grandpa. Look at that. Archie Bunker? No, Robert De Niro, uh, 2016, he's got a movie coming out called Dirty Grandpa where he plays Dick Kelly. I don't want to see that. Well, he's in, he's in those dumb movies uh, with uh, with oh, Mister Funny. Meets, dumb. He meets the parents. That's he right. He is the parents. He's the, he's the titular parent, and he's playing. It's like it's like the Naked Gun. He's playing. Oh, he's, he's doing a Leslie role. Nielsen. Yeah, yeah. A serious role in the center of a dumb comedy. Casino, nineteen ninety five. Never saw it. Okay, okay, okay. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that's really good. Well, you've never seen Casino? No, I, I haven't. Oh, yeah. Oh, Merlin. I should see that, huh? Well, it's it's very depressing. That's good. I like that. And and it's um, and it's in some ways it's appalling. Hmm. Uh, but a wonderful, wonderful film. Um, that's, that's Sharon Stone when she's got her game on. She's really something to watch. So Sharon Stone goes so far into this movie, Casino. The uh, her acting is so tremendous that she makes you a despise her. Mm-hmm. And B, she actually like visibly comes apart in the filming of this movie. Like, like you can tell she does like a Shelley Duvall. 
it, it's like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. She's sitting in a hotel room, uh, drunk, crying, and like shooting at the walls. Hot. And you see it in the film, and you're just like, oh, my God. And, of course, James Wood is, Woods is there to just put this layer of slime on everything. Yeah. He's so, he's just so awful. And he's suing people about Twitter. Yeah, I know. He's, he's, a, he's a crazy person now. You got uh, Wag the Dog, 1997. Analyze this. I don't allow it. Analyze that. Nope. <laughs> analyze, analyze those. Meet the Fockers. Analyze these nuts. Little Fockers. No. Uh, so, oh, Silver Linings Playbook. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that is. Never saw it. Oh, it's that guy. It's the guy that does those movies. With those two people that are always in his movies, uh, oh, you know he's got like Werner th- Herzog, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Many of the people who are released out of the mental system find the world has become even darker than they could have imagined. <laughs> Carries his steamboat. <laughs> Did you know I had I have a friend who? Well, I think we may have talked about no, talked about this. I don't know. I can't remember whether it was. <laughs> This podcast or my other one, but you know, I had a friend that had that owned a boat called the Fitzcarraldo. Is that right? Yeah, that seems like maybe not such a good idea. Uh, his, uh, it's Bernard the Austrian. Oh, Bernard the Austrian. Bernard the Austrian had a boat called the Fitzcarraldo. <sighs> American Hustle, also by that one guy. <clears throat> oh, American Hustle. Who is that guy? Who am I thinking of? David Jacob Domino. Nah, Pack. Mamet. David Mamet. No, it's uh, uh, Ernesto. Mamet. Ernesto Mamet. <laughs> <laughs> What's the guy's name? David David Foster David, Copperman. Uh, David What's his name? Foster Hopper. <laughs> his name Bradley Cooper is the guy who's always in his movies, and the right. director's it's, name uh, is Ross Fincher. <laughs> Rufus W. Firefly. Uh, Wildman Fisher. David O. Russell. David O. Russell. David O. Russell. David Selznick. David Selznick. David Erwin O. Selznick. Thalberg. Um, boy, you know what's great? Do you ever go to the plot keywords section of an IMDb movie? Where mostly, well, historians and mostly fetishists, I think, have gone in and and indicated that something happens in this movie. Mm -hmm. So here's some here's some plot keywords from American Hustle: Mm -hmm. cheating husband, drunk wife, sexual attraction, yes, New Jersey, divorce. But you also have hair and curlers, homemade toupee, women wearing a one piece (laughs) swimsuit. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, uh, ab scam, right? That's all about ab scam. Ab, ab scam, charm bracelet. You got charm bracelet, woman in a bikini, woman in a bikini. Uh, you got open bl- open blouse, balding, and uh, you got homemade toupee. So, Amy Adams. Mm. Um, I like to tag her keywords. It's extraordinary. Right? Oh, she's I think she's e- amazing. She's an extraordinary actor. She's incandescent. <clears throat> she really is tremendous. And and and, uh, and and anything she's in, she lights up the screen. Um, and some of her outfits in this film are oh, right. truly uh, are truly worth their own film. I would watch a supercut just of Amy Adams from this film. But American Hustle is the debut, as far as I was concerned, the debut of Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, she's 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 magic. And I then went back and watched uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence movies you because X Men movies. Well, I mean, she's I Mystique. Dropped. She's the she's the she's the second Mystique. R- R- Rebecca Romaine was the first Mystique, and then Rebecca uh, Romaine was incredible. Uh, th- that's Rebecca Romaine Stamos. That's right. That's not Charlie Sheen. Uh, totally fantastic as uh, as uh, the blue girl. She's a good blue girl. She's uh, Hunger Game movies very good. But I did not watch the subsequent X Men because it felt like it was fanfic. 
Oh, don't worry, you didn't miss anything. Right? I mean, there were the, there were the first I'll, couple I'll tell X-Men. you which ones to watch, don't worry. First couple X-Men were great. And then it just went into this world of like, it's like the Star Wars cartoons. John, you probably do not have too many friends that are bigger X-Men fans than I am. And there's no. just, there's two movies I just, I couldn't even get through. I know, I know. I know you're the, and that's why we haven't talked about this before, because I know that the, it's very important. Look, 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 look close to home. Your cosmology and the X-Men cosmology, I think, have, have, uh, have overlapped so much that it's hard for you to tell what's happened to you in your life and what has happened in the X-Men. Which one am I? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but K-J. Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. I mean, I wasn't even going to watch those ones where she carries a crossbow around and, there's like, and dumb things are happening. First it's one's like, better than you think. It, the first one's actually good. It's really it, good. It gets very much into, like, uh, it starts to be like season five of Lost. After a while, where like voices are coming out, and there's a polar bear, and there's some smoke, a smoke man. It's just like what I'm is not this? saying it's the greatest book and movie ever made, but I mean, there's a lot of levels to that. When I watched, I was I was unprepared for like how sophisticated the cultural criticism of that was. You know who should have been a script doctor on that film? Mm, somebody who's really good at doctoring action movies. Yours truly. But Jennifer Lawrence walks onto the screen in American Hustle, the movie, and did it. Then the movie is forever altered. She's mm-hmm. so great. Chews up the scenery. That's what they say about her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's got that uh, Batman's in that one too. Yeah, and he doesn't do a he doesn't do a bad job. Yeah, but but my feeling is Bradley Cooper is the one that drags that movie down. Oh, interesting. Uh, and part of it is his like seventies makeup just isn't convincing. He does not look like a seventies person. Yeah, the other two do. Uh, Hawkeye and. Uh, and Batman both look very 70s. And Jer- Jeremy Renner can pull off a lot of things. I like that guy. But I feel like Bradley Cooper, you know, it's like when you look at a picture of people from 1911 and they just don't look like us now. They totally, st- yeah, totally, totally. And you see one person who does look like us, it really sticks out. Right. So you make a movie about 1911, you don't put any Amy Adams in it Mm-mm. because there's just nothing you can do. You can't put her hair in a bun and make her look like anything. Uh, she's going to look like now. Yeah. Uh, and Bradley Cooper just has one of those faces where it's like at any previous time, if a child was born looking like Bradley Cooper, they would have drowned him in a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> now he's a big movie star. But in 1911, they would have been like, what happened? This this little child, his face is too pinched. You know, like put him out of his misery. Uh, they were looking for people with meatier features back in the day. Do you keep you up with uh, do you keep up with any of the people from SWS? Let me think. Well, Terrell Walker was in SWS. Uh, you know, SWS was a pretty diverse uh, group of people. Terrell Walker was a, uh, was a kid who played the t- keyboard and he wore a bow tie and he was African-American. And this was, you know, this was early in the, this was early 80s. And uh, he was a very, very, uh, he was a good friend. Um, Terrell Walker, many years later, uh, through Facebook, or something, maybe it was at my 20-year reunion, he expressed incredulity that of all the people in the world who had become a professional musician, it would be me. Mm. Because in high school, he religiously practiced the piano and wore a bow tie and was prepared to, to go to the show. Uh, day right? one, he's ready to go. He was, re- he, like, he was showbiz. And I think, he's, I think he still plays the piano um, and, and, and maybe has done a, a lot of, performance over the years but he was like incredulous in a way where he was like congratulating me but he was also like what the fuck how did you oh yeah 
become a professional musician. You didn't do anything in high school except walk around with that press pass and sleep on the couches in the middle of the day. How, how did you even get away with that? How did you sleep on the couches in, in school and still graduate, let alone then go on to become a musician? And I was like, Terrell, I don't know what to tell you. But, so Terrell Walker I see on the internet, uh, but I'm actually still pretty good friends with Don Shackelford. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, he came, so he retired uh, as a high school principal and got his ear pierced. Wow. Right? Yeah. Like, like child of the 60s, he was waiting the whole time and at <clears throat> age whatever, 65, got his ear pierced. And then, uh, yeah, we see each other. He comments on my Facebook page all the time. Um, you know, we like to play the dozens. And um, I still consider him a friend, Don Shackelford. Mm. Or Shaq, as we call him. Call him the Shaq. Yeah. <clears throat> I sent you uh, one of the Terrell Walkers I could find. I don't know if you got that link. Uh, and it's, uh, it's an African-American guy who, who, who just mostly posts uh, photos of his midsection. Mm. He pulls up his shirt and he takes a photo and then he puts it on his Twitter. Let me see. That doesn't sound like my guy. Yeah, he looks a little young. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, he's a handsome guy. She likes, she likes pictures of his midsection. Well, you know, he's got a real six-pack there or an eight-pack. Mm-hmm. But, boy, uh, and it seems like he's got a gold grill, too. So he's... Oh, oh look at that. Um, yeah, he's, it's, you're right. It's all selfies. It's right there in his uh, profile picture is him holding up his shirt and taking a picture of his stomach. Yeah, sexy for a real bad one, the baddest. Uh, our dis ain't ready. Yeah. But he's, kiss, he's kissing girls here. Mm-hmm. When people um, put a Snapchat address in their Twitter profile, are you supposed to send them a photo? Is that, is that, is, are you basically asking people to send you booby pictures when you do that? Why do people do that? Why are there so many people who put their Snapchat information in, in their profile? Will you explain to me what Snapchat is? I'm not sure. I think Snapchat is the one where teens uh, send each other expiring dick pics. I think, oh, that's, oh, right, I think right. that might be Snapchat. Right. Uh, you know, when you, <clears throat> you explained to me one time what uh, negging was. And yeah, now sure. I, now I really, I'm so glad that you, you explained that to me because I, you know. Start seeing it be, everywhere. I'd be in the dark if I didn't know what it was. And Snapchat, they talk about it all the time, and I'm like, I am an archivist. I do not want po- I do not want pictures to disappear. Oh, I, I want pictures to be collected. Yeah, I am not no. inbox zero. I am inbox mm. twenty five thousand. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. But I notice when I get fake uh, fake Twitter followers, and uh, sometimes they're not even trying. You know, you get the fake Twitter followers, and it's uh, some stolen picture of a lady, uh, and and she mostly writes in like dollar signs and emojis. And they always got their Snapchat uh, address in there. So it's, it's like a social network, but you send each other pictures, right? Is that it? Yeah. You, don't, you don't know either. <clears throat> right. we, should, we should bring somebody into Maybe John Syracuse yeah. could tell us what it is. Well, this could be what our intern does. Oh, we should get an intern, John. Right? We, do, we, 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 we do a grant writing process. We bring in an intern. They can explain what Snapchat is. What are we looking for in an intern? <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I've got ideas. You, you want enthusiasm? Uh, cu- I mean, Curiosity? The right amount of enthusiasm. There are a lot of young oh. people who come up to me with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. Too much. Want to tell me how I help them. Mm-hmm. And I go, <clears throat> well, that's great. And then they want to go get some pho. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to go get any pho with you. Um, go, and, go find uh, people your own age to get pho with. Yeah. I mean, I'm, going, I'm on my way to get pho. If you see me there, you can nod at me. Yeah. I'm not going to sit and I'm not, I want to hear about your girlfriend problems. 
So I want to, <clears throat> I want a, uh, I want a young person with enthusiasm, but um, you know, you got to have a strong back too. There's gonna be a lot what of heavy you, lifting. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy lifting. What but they could, they could help us uh, if, if we're curious or we just f- simply don't understand something. They could, they could serve as a kind of uh, translator or emissary. There were, there were people, uh, there were people on my campaign staff that did that quite a bit. There was, uh, there was, uh, there was one kid who really knew Reddit. And I did a Reddit AMA. Oh yeah, and he was just doing all the all the like facilitating, so that I could sit there on my keyboard and just be like, I'm doing some writing, I'm doing some writing. And then he was, uh, he was like, I guess weeding through the the questions and like pitching me questions, and I didn't have to read through all you know the 25 questions that were like, do you still think punk rock is bullshit? Yeah, and you know, and get you to did the a, you did a nice job. You and your team did a great job of picking good questions and providing good answers. I thought I thought that was yep. very well done. Well, so I could do the answers because I wasn't having to figure out what the questions were. Yeah, the problem, uh, so, the problem that is a, I, that was a young person. If you're over twenty five, if you're under twenty five, I think the interface of Reddit probably makes a lot of sense. I find it very yeah. confusing to look at. Well, all the people that know all the shortcuts. Oh, you got another shortcut. Like, Oh yeah, it's just oh yeah. Command H is to uh, to to get Hella. You send somebody you a want, hat. Yeah, right. Oh, you, oh, you don't know what Command H is? That's uh, you know, hop to it, or uh, hupt, as as uh, R. Crumb would say, hupt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, R. Crumb said hupt. Oh, but anyway, about IMDb. Uh, when you when you Google, let's say let's say let's I'm going to test it out right now. Yeah, I'm going to Google Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Adams, and then what comes up? Ugh, uh, I, Amy Adams. Steel. IMDb right at the top. Yeah, and I don't want to interface with IMDb because they have a certain. They think the world is constructed a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I turn. I I click on IMDb. I turn it on. Turn on IMDb, uh, and then I'm offered. A picture of her, which is which is um, delightful, and then oh, I've got to click on something to see the full bio. I've got to look down here. Just known feature for films, sort by movies. rating. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that filmography. That's not what I'm looking for. I want to know about Amy Adams. So I get off of IMDb and I go to Wikipedia, which mm-hmm. is where I really want to be. That has all the inform- all the same information that IMDb does, but in in a place that. Has lots of hyperlinks, which I like. You can also go to WikiFeet, which uh, always shows up high in the returns. This is something many people have noticed. I used to worry that it was just me, but whenever you put in the name of a celebrity, uh, two things pop up: uh, net worth and feet. <laughs> what's what's WikiFeet? Oh, it's uh, pictures of ladies' feet. It's all like celebrity feet, but it's just it's strange that of all the picadillos that show up there, like everybody seems to get this. If so, you type in Amy Adams. Let's see if we get net worth or feet. Amy. Adams. All right. Let's see here. Oh, no feet on the homepage. Look at that. But frequently I get my auto, a lot of the time, if I type in the name of a celebrity, it's plastic, sur- you get plastic surgery, yeah. net worth, uh, feet, uh, or gay. You get that sometimes oh. too. I mean, one quarter to one third of Amy Adams's page on IMDb is devoted to asking the question, who is Negan on Walking Dead? The Walking Dead world is a buzz about the casting of Jeffrey Dean Morgan yeah, as Megan Bill and Nick. Yeah, that's big. That's that guy from Watchmen. Yeah, that he, has he plays the comedian in Watchmen. No, no. Well, you know who owns the IMDb? Who? Amazon. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. All the pieces are fitting together now. See. See, they want to feed you back into the system. I don't want. I do not. I do. I, I don't want to buy anything. I'm not. A, I'm not a privileged consumer. Mm-mm. I just want to see the information. I want to know that uh, that Amy Adams was born. And in you don't Italy, want to raise your daughter that way. You don't want her growing up looking at the internet as a consumer. You're not going to do it. Are you? Are Are you calling me through an engram machine? Hmm? Why? What happened? Well, it seems a little bit like you're talking to me through a can. It, it might be your microphone. Oh no, I sound great. You sound great to you. Yeah. Should, should I disconnect oh, and uh, reconnect? I mean, if as long as you feel like it's it's recording properly, I think we just keep going. Yeah, it's all fine on this end. Let me watch. Yeah, it all looks okay from here. Okay, then it's just something in the interwebs. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like that Superman uh, Man of Steel movie. Didn't like it. No, 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 no. That, that We talked about that, right? Like, I think like, we did. Like 80 million people die in that movie and there's absolutely no acknowledgement. Yeah, you know what we did? We did. We did talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I feel like Wikipedia. Oh, here's a question that I wanted to ask you. Yes. What is the internet? Okay. I mean, like literally, where does it, where does it live and what is it? I mean, anymore, I know what websites are, but like, what is the internet exactly? Uh, it's where websites live. Yeah. I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask about the technical parts of that. I mean, but, where is John Sircusa when you need him? He'd tell, tell us what it. the internet is. We, we couldn't stop him. <laughs> he believes now, in the evolution. Now all of a sudden I don't want to know what the internet is. He believes John in the Sircusa. evolution, the evolution of the internet, the mm-hmm. way that it's mm-hmm. evolved over the years through adaptations. Yeah, it just, it just it wants to be a thing and it just evolves to it. I'll tell you what I was told in, uh, in 1993 was that it started out as a DARPA project that was mainly right. about ensuring that communications could continue in the event of uh, like an apocalypse. Thank you. I don't Thank know if that's you, true. That's, that's what I've heard. But now it's a series of tubes. Mm-hmm. It's, not the, are, it's not like the back of a truck. It's running through the Nevada desert and it has Google on it. Yep. And Amazon, presumably. And you can't see all parts of it from China. Then you got Tor. Oh, you got Tor, the deep web, the onion. Yeah, well, there's some websites you can only see if you're running Tor. And and you and on those places you're paying for drugs with Bitcoin. Not anymore. Oh. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, the Silk Road they shut that thing down. Yeah. But, but you're, uh, you're sharing videos that other people don't want to see. It's an interesting idea though, because I, I I I tried Tor. I'll probably try it again at some point. I tried it a few years ago, and it was too much overhead for me. But I think it's I had never known about the fact that there are websites you could only get to through. You know, obfuscating encryption. It's a very interesting idea. So Tor is a search engine? No, Tor is a protocol that obfuscates your IP address oh. and makes it so that it's you can't really tell who's doing what. And and that also has a component that only allows you to that that gets you through a doorway and there are all these websites that are hiding? Well, yeah, this is when they talk about I get the words wrong, whether it's dark dark net or deep web or whatever. Mm-hmm. But basically that there's there's this dark idea web, dark web deep net. Yeah, dark web. I love that comic. But there's like there's a whole bunch of the internet that we can see. Yeah, which is on you know HTTP you know public websites. Then there's this whole uh, internet that consists of places that we don't see or can't see. So that mm-hmm. includes stuff like you know theoretically your finance accounts or whatever, all kinds of intranets, mm-hmm. uh, but also a lot of sites you know that are like not findable by Google, all the way down to sites like 
you know, some of the hackerific sites, you can only get to using the Tor browser. Uh, I've seen this graphic on uh, 4chan where there's a picture <laughs> of an iceberg. And uh, up on the top of the iceberg, the visible part of it is like Google and Amazon and, and, uh, and you know, Friendster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the whole bottom of the iceberg, yep. the largest part of the iceberg is deep web. What do you imagine that is? Well, having spent some time on 4chan where some of that, what are some of the like brown froth of that deep web comes up to the surface, I have some sense of what it is and I don't want to see it. Yeah. But then there's all that, there's all that curiosity about like, well, wait a minute, what's really going down on? You, you, the the you can get the real, the real story on Amy Adams maybe. But see, I don't, I really don't want to know the real story. And also I don't want to, I don't want to be running, um, X HTML or whatever. <laughs> like I don't want to have How do we to get onto this. I don't want to have to learn about something. I, d- I don't want to learn anymore. I just want to see, here's what I want to see. I want to see celebrities who are in revealing outfits. You know, I want to see nip slips. <laughs> Um, I want to avoid people on Facebook who uh, talk about gun control. I want to post on Twitter and not be yelled at. And uh, every once in a while, I want to go on eBay late at night and have a sort of a a bipolar B episode where I buy a lot of old military emblems. It's not really that complicated. Your your needs are not – they don't seem difficult. No. It seems like the technology should be there for you to do pretty much all of that. It's easy. Oh, also, if people are talking about me on the internet, I want to uh, be able to go on there and um, and take them aside and uh, sometimes maybe put them in a in a hot box and and say, <laughs> "What we have here is a failure to communicate." Oh, okay. So I put them in the box. I get it. Uh, what do they call that? Like a huddle room. Like where my wife works, it's an open plan. Everybody's got a desk. You get a standing desk, and then you can have a huddle room. And it's all huddle. these little, like smaller than a conference room, bigger than a phone booth, like right. where you can go in, you can take a phone call, you can have a minute. There's one where you can just go in and change your clothes if you want to go running. It's really nice. So anyway, huddle. you want a huddle room, but it seems to me you also want to be able to capture their connection in such a way there's nowhere they can go but the huddle room. Thank you. And then B, they're not allowed to leave until you're done. That's right. Like, hey, guess what? Your internet now is just looking at me for a while, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some stuff you said, and we're going to talk about you. <laughs> what you want is a pop up principal's office. That's right. Come on in here, and why don't you take a seat? Have a seat. <laughs> Should I close the door behind you. You're only going to need the edge of that chair, buddy. Yeah. And I also uh, want to use the internet to uh, sequester Dick Cheney in a shipping container that's been buried in the desert. <laughs> okay. And give him small doses of LSD while I play on repeat. You realize you're pulling me down with this? What are you going to play? What are you going to play? Well. Prison colon and son of prison colon. All right. All right. We call Mason Sewan, prison colon and son until he just goes mad. Professori, see, Tika. No, I want to, first of all, I want to do a supercut of all of. Uh, all of the television footage where Dick Cheney gave like any kind of press conference and all of the sort of accompanying television footage of like all the 
stuff that actually was going on and the, the newscasters talking about the you know it's like it's it's like a montage scene from a Vietnam film where where the background is like this is the end my only friend the end while the helicopters are coming in and the that'd, that'd be a good is, use somebody should do that that'd be the good, good use right? of that song don't you think you use that song you know, to do a Vietnam montage why doesn't or, anybody thought about that? somebody should do that they could totally do that yeah that's a good idea but we'd, we'd do a similar type of thing um with Dick Cheney, except I guess the soundtrack would be Right Said Fred or something. What would you put on there? <laughs> uh, what was the what was popular at the time? Uh, which golf? The, the, the more recent Gulf War? Well, I mean, Cheney's had a long career. So <laughs> He's actually, helped we, a lot of people. Actually, we could start with, with uh, The Doors and move, move through the history of music. But then, so he's sitting in the room. He, he has to drink water. There's a sink there, right? So he drinks, he, he's drinking water to keep alive, but there's a little bit of LSD in the water. Why, and, why do you do this to me? And so he's like, whoa, why are the... But, you know, the room is pretty plain, so he's just like, whoa, the walls are kind of breathing. But it, And then the TV is on, and, and it's only one channel, and it just plays like him. It just plays himself to him. But just slightly, we just start to slightly edit it, slightly modified, or it's just like not quite how he remembers it. Very slowly, just, very slowly morphs into Grimace. Just a little bit. words. <laughs> A little bit at a time, and he's in a shipping container buried in the desert. But there are windows in the shipping container where we have put some trompe l'oeil, like there's palm trees outside the window. So he can open up the shades, and there's a little, like, there's a diorama there where he's like, it looks like the outside. He's living in a, in a third grader's, like, experiment for school, like with little army men in it. Yeah, and it's just got, and the outside is like, you know, uh, Sid and Marty Croft. Sort of like oh, like a uh, HR puffin stuff. HR puffin stuff, but but it looks at first it looks real. So he's like, ah, but the window won't open. <laughs> he feels like he's in a real place, and then little by little, more and more stuff is introduced that just seems like wow. Do, do was the desert always that color? <laughs> then the late like, Charles Nelson Riley walks out of a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, and I just feel like little by little, you know, and then every once in a while. You know, the, oh, and we'll also we'll tilt the floor just by a just like a millimeter, just start to tilt the floor, just a millimeter at a time, <laughs> and and it's it's one of it's one of those optical illusion things where it doesn't look tilted. And he, oh, he's, right. He's down on his hands and knees. He's looking at the floor. Something's fucked up here. <laughs> but but there's just enough LSD in, in the water that he can't <laughs> he can't quite be sure. <laughs> Whether he's imagining it or not. Yeah, part of the idea is you're keeping him right on the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's and, that thing when you, when, you, when you first take acid and you're like, is, this, is it happening? I can't tell. Is it really happening? It should be like that for like six years. Yeah, that's right. And the thing is, it's just enough, right, that it's just like, whoa, is it? Oh, my hands are so – have you ever looked at your hands? You know, and he's doing that. No, I mean, that, have you ever really looked at your hands? But he's, he's all by himself, right? In and a like, shipping container. Two years in, the floor has dropped in one <laughs> corner Two two and a half millimeters <laughs> – just, and it's just like, mm. and he's looking out the window at the desert, and it just, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. But did you see? Did you see that? Did you? <laughs> what, what was that? He's staring out the window all day because it's all there is to do. And and then he's also, and the TV is on. The palm just, the palm tree shifts a little bit over time. It's just broadcasting this loop, but over the course of of years, like just little bits get shaved out of the loop. Start things start to. It's like what was that? What did I just see? There's a little like instant, just one frame dick shot. Oh, God. And then over, yeah, just over the time. And then, oh, we're also videotaping him the entire time. Mm. Um, 
So, yeah, and that, you know, and Rumsfeld is in the shipping container right next to him. <laughs> Lawrence Eagleburger. <laughs> Condi Rice. They're ah. all- it's seriously, it's, it's going to be extremely, extremely uncomfortable right now. The extremely problem is I want to get this done before he dies of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I don't want, I don't want him to die of a heart attack on my watch. Mm-mm. Right? I mean, I got no, that counts, so that's a pre-existing condition. And I think probably by now his heart is just mostly made of aluminum. So, I mean, I might, I might have decades. People are going to ask. Uh, so I'm going to say, if you're looking for the name of that song, Prison Colon Ensign on Cusel, just go to Google and type in P-R-I-S-E-N-C-O-L, and it should autofill the rest. Yeah, but you want there are several videos. You want the one that starts... And with the classroom? With the girl standing up, and she goes, Professore, and he says, Si, Tika. And that, that's how you know you're on the right one. Because that's a, it's actually an amalgam of a couple of... And then of, it shows the 72 original with the, the, the dancing the dance, lady. The, bla- the black and white dancing. She's great. That lady can uh, dance. Well, and you know, she was, she was the lead actress in Von Ryan's Express. I was reading about her. I was Googling her after seeing her in that video, as you do. And uh, yeah, she's, uh, she became like a famous actress, right? Well, and I think was even before she did the prison colon incident on But she was a TV presenter, right? In yeah. Italy. Von Ryan's Express was, is one of those movies that pops up in Netflix all the time when you're like, I'd like to watch a World War II movie that features spies. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and if you put in World War II spy movie, Netflix is like, that returns no results. So you're like, okay, spy movie. And they're like, that returns no results. You're like, okay, movie. That returns no results. And you're like, I don't understand your fucking algorithm. You have a search window. I'm looking for some things. It never works. But what they do do every once in a while is pop up Von Ryan's Express. Here's the thing you might like. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, it stars Frank Sinatra. So you know I'm not going to like it, Netflix, if you know anything about me. But then you watch it because it's a World War II movie. And Frank Sinatra is not convincing in World War II. You just, you know that he skipped that war. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a, there are a lot of things that I should like about it. It's on a train. And it features the, the woman from Prison Colon Ensign on Cusel. So... I mean, maybe Netflix or maybe Netflix knows more about me than 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 I know. Yeah, as much as you got to credit Frank Sinatra for the one and done, like one take approach he took to things, it it's, doesn't always make for great viewing. No, you're you're watching a World War II spy movie. You don't want somebody to say "shooby dooby." <laughs> that's not that's not where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. It's not hip. World War II's not hip. Mm-mm. No, you're up to your you're up to your elbows in mud. I watched uh, I watched a Hitler movie the other night. Uh, it was a new one to me on I want to say Netflix, maybe Hulu. But uh, the the conceit of it is here's a whole bunch of color footage from World War II. Oh yeah. And so then they make a TV series out of that. So the the narration's a little clunky because what they don't want to say is and here is more color footage of Hitler. <laughs> but they have to kind of construct the narrative around the footage that they've got. Right. But it is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Goering. Was head of the Air Force. Yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> Goering was the head of the Air Force from a slightly different angle. Yeah. And did you know the Air Force was run by Herman Goering? Here are some planes, which are part of the Air Force, also known as the Luftwaffe. Luftwaffe. I watched one of those documentaries the other day about Goering's brother. Doug? Uh, Doug Goering. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's a great mu- magician. Um <laughs> And uh, it was one of those. I was on Netflix. I was trying to find World War II spy movies that wasn't returning any results. And they were like, maybe you'd like to watch this documentary about Goering's brother. And I was like, have I really, have I, has it come to this? You're out of, you're out of stuff now. Has it, am I watching a documentary about Goering's brother? Okay. All right, fine. Sure. 
Sure, I'm not doing anything. Fine. And so I watch it. And it's one of those things that originally aired as a, as a, uh, as a TV show. So yeah, that, sounds, that sounds like a history channel to me. You know, they come back from commercials and they kind of are recapitulating the thing that they just talked about. Yes. And you're like, I don't, uh, this, isn't, this is not a feature that's film. The, that's the bottom of the barrel. You, start, you, start, you might start with, uh, with all the hitters. You, you start with, you know, Sorrow and the Pity. You watch Shoah. You watch Schindler's List. You watch all the classics, right? Yeah. And yep. then you start getting into like the really good documentaries. And there are mm-hmm. some really, really, really good documentaries. Mm-hmm. The, the height or low, and uh, I, I don't mean to make light of this, but like, uh, you know, be, be careful the night that you decide to go to archive.org and actually watch the original, the movies that they shot. When oh. they first uncovered the camps. Oh yeah. Oh. Have you seen those? Oh. I uh, that's that's rough viewing. Um, where they? Oh, we talked about this. Where they make the make the people from the town like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and uh, go and and do the shoveling. Walk into the the shed with the pile yeah. of. Uh, yeah. And, well, and so you're you're emotionally you're emotionally wrecked. You're it's you know you're you're several weeks into your Hitler movies, and then the thing is then the thing is Netflix is on to us. There are so many World War II things on Netflix, and so many of them suck. Oh, they're terrible. You can see you go look at the star ratings. I mean, on, everything's already way over high rated on Netflix a lot of the time. But when you see the things that are like one and a half stars, <laughs> Gehring's brother. <laughs> well, and so uh, did you ever read the book Nietzsche's sister? Nope. Well, so Nietzsche's sister has a very fascinating story. Hmm. Nietzsche's sister uh, was uh, became a Nazi, a nationalist. Elizabeth national Elizabeth Furster Nietzsche. Yeah, and she was uh, married to Wagner's son, or something like that. <laughs> uh, and they, talk talk about a national socialist rat king. Yeah, oh my yeah, god, yeah, that's right. And they actually went to South America to form a new Reich, a German, a German town in the far off, like northern Argentina or, or, or Uruguay or worse, Paraguay. It's called Nueva Germania. Yeah, Nueva Germania. And they're up there in the, like, hacking out of the jungles a Nazi town where they were, like, and this is the beginning of the whole idea that all the big Nazis fled to South America after the war through the Odessa files or whatever, through the Project uh, Wormspringer or Project uh, Spectre, Octopus, <laughs> Project Octopus, Octopussy. Anyway, they all... <laughs> At some point, you became a captcha. <laughs> so... <laughs> so... And, rum, you know, Rumspringer. And the, Rumspringer Forstall. The Bishop of Rome... Is helping spirit these Nazis into South America to be with Wagner's uh, sister-in-law, <laughs> uh, cousin-in-law, and she's uh, Nietzsche's sister, and they're they're insane. They're absolutely crazy, and they're remnants of this town. I wish remnants, this were a musical. <laughs> remnants. I'm. We, it should be. It should be right. We are going to Tuba's going honk honk on the project Octopus Nueva Germania. Spectre. So that is that book. I was just like, "Tell me more." Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to buy. A, I wanted to buy a, a, a ticket on Lawn Airways and fly the fuck down there and see this place. But you know, it's one of those things when you get into the neighborhood and you start. Oh yeah, you start asking questions and nobody wants to. What? What? What are you talking about? What? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. There's nothing. It's like, why is everybody here so bl- blue eyed? And they're like. Keep moving. I'm a ceramicist. I know nothing of these people. Did you, did you ever see the 
Did you ever see the movie about uh, like the Eichmann, uh, like repatriating Eichmann? Mm-mm. From oh, that's a is great that where the the uh, the uh, Israel went after him? Yeah, yeah. And the, and the whole and oh yeah 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 no that was a feature film right? Yeah yeah yeah. And all the all, but but also there are documentaries about it where they go back yeah. there and they're just like. Okay, we're going to stuff him in the so trunk bad. of a car. Is that, Massad? is that Massad? Who did Massad, that? Yeah. Oh, they are so badass. We're going to stuff him in the trunk of a car, and we're going to drug him, and we're going to you know, we're going to walk him to the airplane as though he's our drunk friend. Ready? <gasps> Here we go. And that really happened. Yeah. <sighs> Crazy. Um, but so those guys sometimes go down there, and they're walking around these villages, and they're like, "Hey, we're looking for uh, we're looking for Ben um, <laughs> Johnson." Do you know? And there, and everybody in the town is like, "No Ben Johnson here," by and no one by that name. Mm-mm. And it's really fucking, you know, some concentration camp doctor. But, but anyway, so in the spirit of Nietzsche's sister, they make this movie about Goering's brother, and Goering's brother seemed like he was kind of a fuck up, and he had some Jewish friends, and he didn't, you know, and he was he was nice to them, and he he saved some people, but he was no Schindler. And you're watching this thing, and the and the guy that's making the documentary is like. Goering's brothers, you know, needs to be re- reappraised by history because he actually saved all these people and he was a true hero of the of the war. And then you you watch the the film that he's making the case for this, and it's like uh, Goering's brother just kind of use he would just say like the people the cops would come and try and arrest him for moonshining, and he'd be like, you know, my name is Ben Goering. And then the cops would be like, oh, sorry, sorry, and they'd all run away. It's like, oh, that's not very heroic. Yeah. Just and really, it's heroic just in context, like, you know, next to his brother. Yeah, right. I mean, he was like, he was milking his brother to get some stuff, and every once in a while that involved, like, saving some Jews, but it was like, like he saved six to 11 people. Not exactly, I mean, it's not bad, you want to... You no, every little it, bit helps. But it's sort of not, I mean, he's probably... In the pantheon of heroes in Israel. So Eichmann, look at this. Spoiler alert. Uh, so Eichmann went to trial, huh? Oh, yeah. And he didn't okay. kill himself. They killed the execution by hanging. Look at yeah, that. Yeah. <gasps> it was a look big deal. That. It was a big deal. They, they set him up in the, in the glass cage, and they, they did the whole thing where they were like, you're going to listen to this, every bit of it. And he sat there with his grouchy look and said, I apologize for nothing. Mm. Um, it was a real, it was a time. SS Obersturmbahnfuhrer. Mm-hmm. That's a hell that's, of a hell of a title. That's, that's not a Sturmbomb Führer. It's an Obersturmbomb. <laughs> yeah, that's the same and as that Lieutenant Colonel. Yeah, he's over the Sturmbomb Führers. Schutzstaffel. That's the thing. As you move up the ranks of German uh, uh, military, they just add in another word. Oh, it's it's insane. If you go and look again, looking at the pages for how they come up with these names, it's bananas. Yeah. What do you? What, what's a six-star general in Germany? Oh, uh, if you if you if you seats uh, yeah. seats, I got nothing. Yeah. I don't even know how to say star. Uh, it's a stroopwafel. Stru- 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 uh, von Scheisse. <laughs> oh, I want Z. No, I, I believe I, I think you know in Ger- in German army you're a private, and then you're a stroop private, and then you're an uber stroop private. Mm. And then that you just keep adding words 
onto it until until you get to six star general. You get to be uh, you get to oh goodness oh my goodness field marshal. Field you could be an Anvarter, a Junker, a Schutze, an Uberschutze, Oberschutze, a Sturmann, a Volkssturmann, a Stabschaftsführer, a Rot Rottenführer, Oof. an Oberrottenführer. Yeah, those are the bad ones. Ober an Unterscharfführer. Uh, let's see. Then you get you get a little higher up. You get to the Obersturmbahnfuhrer. Ober That's what the guy yeah. wants. You can be a Gruppenfuhrer, an Obergruppenfuhrer, yes. or an Oberstgruppenfuhrer. Oberstgruppenfuhrer. Yep. That's a lot of Fuhrer. Yeah. God, these are crazy well, names. You're Oberst. Like uh, Connor. Uh, anyway. Um, <clears throat> wow. <clears throat> covered, covered a lot of. <clears throat> Why is the floor moving? Listen. To- <laughs> <laughs> Zing! God damn it! <laughs> God damn it! I know the floor is moving. I know it is. I use the Open same. I use the same window. goddamn. I use the same goddamn water glass to take my pedals every day. Who moved it? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Just going in the middle of the night, move his glass just, just a little bit, a little bit, just a little, a little bit. bit, just, just oh, oh, one tiny thumbprint on his glasses. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, why is my vision occluded? <laughs> You go in, you start going in and pouring a little bit of water on his crotch. He's like, he starts to think he's wet in the bed. <laughs> I made a tinkle. <laughs> he doesn't know why. God, doesn't God know why. damn it. There's more water in the toilet today. More every day, a little bit more water in the toilet. <laughs> oh, God. he's so upset. Oh. His shoe, you just keep, you just keep putting slightly smaller shoes in. <laughs> his shoes don't fit anymore. <laughs> Ah, a little swollen. Retaining <laughs> 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 water. There's something in the water. You <laughs> <laughs> can't stop drinking it. <laughs> oh. And you know, I've gone so far as to imagine the the uh, like how you would drip <laughs> the pr- precise amount of LSD into the water. You'd have to have a little. Please you know. use Tor when you're searching for that. <laughs> <laughs> And how much I, LSD to drug Cheney? <laughs> do I do I sound phlegmy? No, is do that, I? That, well, no. Is it a character of mine though that I am? I'm like, I have too much, uh, 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 too much yellow bile. Mm, I don't think so. I mean, you cough a lot. Well, yeah. What is that? Uh, respiratory disease, <clears throat> heart disease, uh, grip. Uh, could be, uh, could be uh, dropsy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I want to have, you know, I don't want to have a, a wet humor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I want my, I want my humors to be appropriately moist. You know, what, what are, what are the right, what are, what are the humors that you want? <clears throat> Let's see. You got phlegmatic. You got bucolic. Yep. You got caloric. Uh, uh you've caloric. got, uh, uh, what's the one that's about outside? That's bucolic, right? Uh, well, the, you, you, <clears throat> there's melancholic. Melancholic. All right. Right. And there's, um, bodily humors. There's, um, <clears throat> Uh, there's phlegmatic, which is what I'm hoping not to be, and sanguine. I mean, you want oh, be... sanguine? That's because you got a lot of blood. Yeah, sanguine is a lot of blood, but that, but again, that's a that's a wet humor. That's moist. Hmm. Um, the dry humors are um, phlegmatic uh, is relaxed and peaceful. Yeah, that's weird. Calm, uh, but but again, that's a wet one too. That's like cold and wet. Choleric and then, is short tempered and irritable. And that's a that's a hot. That's hot. That's a that's. Are you talking about one. Chinese energies? Are you hot talking about dry. cheese? No, no. The, we can all agree on chi. Ding! Good night, everybody. That was stupid. Why did I even say that? That's just dumb.